0: My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Amy Rezneski, professor at the Wharton School of Pennsylvania, is an award-winning professor who researches how people make meaning of their work. Her research on job crafting examines how people redraw the boundaries of their jobs to change both their work identity and the meaning of their work. Amy's work has been published in prestigious academic journals, as well as mainstream outlets, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Harvard Business Review. And in 2015 and 2019, Amy won the Inspiring Yale Award, voted by students as the most inspiring professor at Yale's School of Management. Amy earned her undergraduate degree from the University of Pennsylvania and her PhD from the University of Michigan. Prior to joining the Wharton School, Amy was on faculty at Yale and NYU. I hope you enjoy learning from Amy Resneski today, because I always do. Hi Amy, it's so great to connect today. In each of my classes each semester, I seem to always talk about your work. So it's so great to be able to chat with you here today.
1: It's wonderful to be here, thanks so much.
0: So you've had an incredible career and of all of the things you've learned, about work and meaning of work, all of the research you've done, what would you most like to pass on to others?
1: That's a terrific question. And I think there are two things that fall into two different buckets on that question. The first is, I think it's really important to keep in mind, something that i have found in in some of my earlier work and continue to find in current work which is the kind of meaning people make of the work they do is not solely a function of what that job is i think in the the public kind of the lay literature if you will or public opinion Um, and certainly students who are looking for the kinds of opportunities they should be going for in their work and jobs and things that they're searching for, we tend to make a mistake in thinking that certain jobs are meaningful and other jobs are not. And what the reality is based on research and data and really digging into these questions, looking across lots of different types of jobs, lots of different kinds of work, to look at how do people make meaning of that job? How do they make meaning of this job? Um, What we find is the job doesn't really matter. There are people who are in that job who see it as a source of income. That's their primary relationship with it. They're not seeking or receiving much else from the work. And that's not a function of certain kinds of jobs. It's You find people like that in every job, including in jobs that require a huge amount of education and pull down lots and lots of income. Um, And also the opposite is true, that people who see their work as an end in itself and see that work as making the world a better place in some way that is meaningful to them, there are people who work in almost any job you can describe or list or think of who see their work that way. And so if you think about where you're likely to find meaning in the work that you do, I think it's really important not to have your head turned by jobs where you think just by the nature of the job, it has to be meaningful, or just by the nature of the job, it can't be meaningful, and remember the reality that The meaning is really in the relationship between the person and the work they're doing and how they relate to that work. And that makes it far more personal and suggests that there's a lot more openness that people ought to have as they think about where do they think they're most likely to be lit up by the tasks that they're doing, the relationships and interactions that they're having in the work, um, and to try to seek out those kinds of contexts, even if they're not necessarily the ones that everybody else is running after.
0: So if somebody is working at a job and they are just bringing home a paycheck, that's their focus. How can they shift their mindset to start really finding value in their work?
1: Um that's a that's a really good and complicated question because one of the things that I have found in my own work, uh, and I think it's pretty consistent with other work too, is that in general, these orientations are pretty stable. So it's not the case, uh, once someone said to me, whether I see my work as a job, career, or calling depends on who I just hung the phone up with at work. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's quite that labile or, uh, you know, plastic. Uh, I think really people have the general relationship they have they have to the work that they're doing and things can move that around over time um but i i think it's fairly sticky um that said but it's not totally sticky right if you think about someone for whom the work that they're doing feels like a job. It feels like primarily it's an economic exchange with the organization. I put work in, money comes out. I can then support my life uh, outside of work or maybe my family if I have a family. Um, But perhaps that same person thinks, gosh, I'd really like to find more in this work. I'd like this work to be, signify something to me that goes beyond that it's a way to make a living and support myself. Um, The advice I would have there um, comes from work that I've done and others have done um, in creating a literature around job crafting and the kinds of moves people make to change up the task design, the relational design, and how they think cognitively about the work that they're doing so that they begin to experience the work in a different way and are able to experience the kind of meaning that they seek from that work in the very same job without needing to change jobs or find a different employer or find a different situation. I think the the place to look first, and it may not be foolproof, but the place to look first is where might you have latitude or degrees of freedom to make some changes to the way in which you're doing your work, the tasks you're concentrating on, things that you're maybe pulling back from that can change how you're engaging with thinking about um, and, and seeing the meaning of what it is you're doing in that job.
0: So this makes me think of a couple things. One, uh, just trying to change our perception of work is maybe, maybe a, a decent place to start, but certainly not the end all. So for example, I, I work with a company, they're, they're one of the largest owners. Well, they are the largest uh, owner operator of little Caesar store in in the world. And, one of the ways they think about their work is we're not just making pizzas we are actually helping families and friends and communities celebrate life's greatest moments because if you think about when do people order little Caesars that's you know at a birthday party or some sort of like celebration a, a group get together and I think so that that simple reframing is maybe a good place to start but what you're talking about here is more than just, you know, thinking about it, we're talking about crafting. So how can we actually change elements of the job to make it more satisfying and meaningful?
1: I'm glad you raised that. And it's a terrific story, because the thing I would expect that would come out of a reframe like that at Little Caesars would be, okay, we're not um, taking orders, fulfilling orders we're actually having this impact in people's lives and we are part of these special moments in people's lives. And it's not too far a leap to think about how would that change the way that people who work in those stores interact with customers, how, do, how else do they ask questions about what would be helpful to make this thing really special? Um, how might they then create relationships where that's the go-to place every time there's good news to celebrate? It's a little Caesars night, right? So you can imagine it becomes, it quickly moves from being just cognitive right. to being behavioral. As well, right? To be thinking about, you know, what we should do, given that we're often a celebratory sort of go-to place, whether people are coming in or ordering, uh, ordering in. Maybe we ought to be also including this in what we send along, as a matter of course, as a way of just deepening our relationship with our customers. Um, and so, I think the way to do it is something that I can already naturally see happening, you know, in Little Caesars, if people are really embracing this frame, which is it doesn't just stay sort of in the mind that we am doing exactly the same movements and tasks all day, but I'm just thinking about it differently. It starts to become, I'm actually doing different things. I'm relating to people in different ways. I'm spending more time with certain people, maybe less time with other people as I redraw these task boundaries and relational boundaries and interaction boundaries around the work. And I'll give you an example. So Together with Jane Dutton and Goliath DeBeva, we did a study years ago of a university hospital system. And we were studying people who clean hospital rooms for uh, their full-time job at the hospital. And this was a job that had an extensive job description. So lots and lots of different tasks in the job description. And part of the job was um, that the cleaning staff members were not supposed to be interacting with patients or their visitors unless someone asked a question of them or made a request of them. So they were very much meant to be kind of, you know, moving in and out of spaces almost invisibly, right, to do the work of cleaning. And what we found in studying people who were doing this job is that there were people who described extremely rich, engaged, sometimes quite long-lasting relationships with patients and their visitors When those patients had been long-term patients and long after they had been discharged and in trying to figure out well how does that happen in a job where you're not even really supposed to be talking with people when you go into the room unless they start talking with you and invite a conversation we learned that they were going you know off-roading if you will from that job description not all of the cleaning staff members but many of them whenever they felt it was the appropriate thing to do. So when they felt like this is a patient who hasn't had a whole lot of visitors, they seem lonely, they feel like they want to talk. And so I'll finish cleaning the rooms on this hall and then I'm going to double back and spend more time with this patient. And so over time, start to develop a relationship with that patient, stay in touch. We had a cleaning staff member in our sample who was still writing to patients years after they... the hospital. So it begins to, in the midst of doing the things that you're responsible for uh, to the organization and your work, it starts to look like interactions, relationships, tasks that you are doing or maybe doing less of that speak more to what it is you really feel you're doing there. And in this context, people who were in our sample, who were engaging in these different ways of doing the work, talked about the work really differently when we asked them what they did there. And in the most extreme case, when we asked one of the people in our sample, what is your role here in the hospital? Most people answered that by giving us their job title. This person answered it by saying, I'm a healer, which as you can imagine was a pretty striking thing to hear. And so we said, could you tell us more about what you mean? And they say, well, Their answer went something like, I create clean spaces. I clean spaces in which patients heal in the hospital as they recover from their illnesses or surgeries. But I also do everything I possibly can to facilitate their healing. And whether that's doing things for them that I think they need or that they're asking for, doing things to take care of their family so they're less worried about their visitors and loved ones as they're trying to heal, that is very much part of what it is I'm doing here. And that meant a lot of off-task work and a lot of off task um, discretionary things that they were doing, some of which could have gotten them in trouble, frankly, against their job description, but for them completely transformed the meaning of what it felt like to be a part of that hospital and a part of the hospital's mission.
0: Yeah, such an incredible story and example. And this is why I just love your research and talk about it with my students every semester. Well, you mentioned two things at, at the outset. So uh, that was one main lesson. What was the other lesson that you'd most like to pass on?
1: So the other lesson you anticipated in asking about, well, what is it that someone who sees their work kind of more as a way of getting uh, a paycheck and and getting through the things they need in life, um, how can they transform the meaning of that work? And that was the second thing that I I think was really key to draw attention to. So I'm glad you did, because I think, especially for students, especially for thinking about students, I find that it is often far too common for students to think about finding a job as being almost a magical exercise in finding a fit as opposed to creating a fit in terms of the work that they're doing. So I sometimes have joked with my students that, um, so forgive me for this, but I have sometimes ask them by a show of hands how many of them have ever dated anyone, and most of them by a certain age will raise their hand, Um, and I'll say, okay, so you have some experience in this realm and you don't really have to date very long before you realize that it's probably not the case that there's one perfect human being on the planet just for you, but instead there are probably some finite number of people with whom you could build a great relationship and a great life and the the work and the task there is finding someone with whom you can make a great relationship and a great life and then doing that and so i'll joke and sometimes observe that sometimes students who are quite sophisticated about the workings of the romantic world and understand this and embrace it look at the world of work and completely have this magical you know power twins uh, or wonder twins unite kind of view that They're the perfect person for the perfect job. And once they find that perfect fit, they're going to skip to work every day, whistling a happy tune, and they will be happy forever. And I feel like that is such a giant setup to disappointment because it's rare to find a perfect fit with any particular job or organization. I think the task that students should think of setting for themselves is finding work that they think they will enjoy and that they think matters and they'll find meaningful in some way and work where they can see there's going to be some flexibility in making that work their own. Meaning once they get on top of what the skills are in the job, that they can begin to customize elements of that work or the kinds of projects they're doing or the kinds of clients or customers they're working with or the kinds of project teams they're on so that they can get more of the kinds of tasks and relationships that for them make the work most meaningful. So instead of hoping to happen upon it perfectly, right out of the gate, I think the task that uh, students would be better off imagining for themselves is finding where is a place where from the beginning, the work feels promising. And I can see that the people who are working in this organization have really been able to make this their own, that they have found ways to contribute that really feed them and are right for them. And that that possibility might be here for me too.
0: This just makes me think of an experience I had. I'd been married about six years and I uh, felt like I had a great marriage and I was reading Carol Dweck's book on uh, mindset and she was talking about having a, a growth mindset in relationships. And as simple as that idea sounds, at, in the moment it hit me like, oh my gosh, I have a good marriage. I try to be a good husband. My my wife tries to be a good spouse. But I've never thought of like, what if we take a growth mindset approach and let's like try to make our relationship better, not just kind of exist and try to do a good job and just let it be what it is. And and so I was thinking of this in terms of a job, right? Like it can be easy to say, I'm going to go find a job where I fit and I'm just going to work there. And what I love from what you're saying is, yeah, that's, that's the first step. And now let's take that second step and let's create. An even better place for us.
1: Yes, yes, and and I want to you know there's a there's a caveat I think that I is worth bringing up in relation to that, which is, and this goes back to Hackman and Oldham's uh, job characteristics theory and growth needs strength and you know these moderators of these relationships that they studied for so long, um, and so well, and you know I think that there I always want to reserve a space for people for whom They really are not seeking more from the work than a way to make money and get on with the rest of their lives, either because that is their strong preference or because there are so many other things going on in other elements or other domains of their life, that that is what the relationship with the workplace needs to be. Um, And so I think leaving room for that and leaving room for people to craft the jobs they're in in any direction that they need to so that they can derive the kind of relationship that will most feed them or serve them um, in the work is, is something that I feel strongly about as well. Um, Although to your point, many, many people are seeking more meaning than they're finding in the work they're doing. And so I think creating space for that um, is, is crucial.
0: Yeah. Great point. Let's create it into the thing that most suits us. That will be, most helpful to us. Uh, Just the last thing it made me think of also uh, years ago, I remember reading something from Adam Grant and he was talking about how uh, something to the effect of, you know, he's constantly getting emails and it's just like, you know, it's, it's a constant interruption. And then one day he has the thought and maybe it was from reading your work, you know, the point of my job is to help people and these emails coming in are an opportunity to help. And so then he, he would start blocking off time and then look forward to that moment when he could help. And that simple reframe, uh, so maybe that was my, like the first step for me. Anytime I get an email, I try to think about it, you know, excitedly, positively, this is a chance to help. And then yes. hopefully that leads to other behaviors where I'm looking for ways to not just stand up and lecture to my students, but try to make a, a positive impact in their lives.
1: That's a beautiful example, and I, I can't resist just saying that um, I'm a huge fan of Adam's work and, and how he thinks about things, and one realization I've had is I hate email. I'm a terrible emailer. I am slow, if at best I'm slow. Sometimes I, things just fall right off the plate. I feel terribly about that, and the thing that that has really helped me is I think it's not so much a frame around helping as it is sitting and just typing, 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 typing on a keyboard in response to many things that have come across the plate. The thing that has made a huge difference is goes right back to your framing um, in your story about Adam, which is these are people who are reaching out who 20 years ago or maybe 30 years ago before email would have written a letter or picked up the phone or wandered by my office, whatever the right, you know, kind of mode is, but it would have been a conversation. And so the thing that has unlocked my ability when I can, uh, to do email in a way that is feels easier, feels more motivating and feels a lot more fun is, um, I've downloaded a program called dragon, which can recognize your voice and will, dictate you can dictate and it will type directly into the response to the email what you're saying and that has been magic because like you i can open the email read it and say well what would i say to this person if they were sitting across my desk and saying i don't know do you know of any measures that look at this but you know don't have this element to it and i can say oh there are three papers i can think of that you should check out and the first one is by so and so and the second one is by so and so and then i can just quickly read it over make sure there aren't any mistakes and then i can hit send and it feels much more human mm-hmm. than everything's just on the screen and it makes it so much more of a joyful interaction for me to respond because it's, it puts it in a different modality that takes it back to its relational roots of what the conversation would have been before we had email.
0: Yeah. Great example of you applying the lessons you've learned. So uh, well, Amy, again, this has just been a real treat for me I've learned new things from you today. I look forward to uh, trying to apply these in my own life and continue sharing the past lessons from you and in, the, in these new lessons that I've learned today uh, with my students. So thank you so much for taking your time to share these lessons with me today.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me and for a wonderful and fun conversation. I really appreciate it, Nate.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. What excellent lessons Amy shared today. First, we tend to make a mistake in thinking that certain jobs are meaningful and other jobs are not. However, the kind of meaning people make of their work is not solely a function of what the job is. The meaning is really in the relationship between people and their work and how they relate to the work, which makes finding meaning a far more personal endeavor. Second, it's not just about finding fit, it's also about creating fit. Just as there is probably some finite number of people we could build a great life with, there are also some number of jobs or careers we could make our own and find meaning in. By changing both our perception and behaviors, we can alter the meaning and significance of our jobs. Whether we view our job as cleaning hospital rooms or as healing people, there is significant flexibility in how we can craft our jobs and derive meaning from our work. It's a simple idea, please take it seriously. Nate Nickel here with two final requests. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Thanks for your support.